0: this is cult scenes k-pop unmuted a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of k-pop we're your hosts stephen knight alejandro Barca. and on today's episode we're discussing g-dragons kwan ji young with our guest sam lifson welcome to the show guys hi guys hello 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 everyone let me start with Alejandro. This is your first time co-hosting the show. You're the Cult Scene Creative Director, have I got that right, out of Mexico City?
1: Yes, I am currently in Mexico City. It's incredible. Cult Scene has opened a lot of things for all of us, and I think it's amazing to have this podcast with you now. So thank you so much for this, and thank you, Sam, for being here with us today.
2: Hello, thank you.
1: So Sam is the creator and head admin of the East Coast K-pop outlet, Echo, and here's Sam.
2: Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: We're glad to have you here. So, am I correct in thinking that I'm doing this podcast with two big G-Dragon fans? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) G-Dragon is actually my introduction to K-pop. And in the most sappy sense possible, I would not be here were it not for my discovery of G-Dragon back in 2009. I feel very grateful to him because, you know, I was very aware of TVXQ and I was into the Japanese music scene prior to Heartbreaker, but it was G-Dragon that kind of introduced me to all of Korean pop at the time and really led me down just a very unique path for like education. and. You know, all of my friends are K-pop fans now, and I created the East Coast K-pop outlet to bring K-pop fans together. And finding this community, I like really owe it to him and his music. And I find him very inspiring. And even with his, I don't give a fuck attitude, I'm all about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how many people have come to K-pop through J-pop.
2: I agree. I find it a very natural transition for me now, but it's so hard to get into J-pop these days, I think. So I'm very grateful to have made that transition. And I I wonder what it's like to not have that and go straight into K-pop.
0: Now, G-Dragon has come a long way since 2009. Are you still enamored with the 2009 G-Dragon? Do you like the direction that his career has gone?
2: I love all of it. I will never forget the bleach blonde hair and the super boy band Heartbreaker AO that we got in 2009. But I really feel like G-Dragon has just continued to evolve and come into his own without forgetting that and forgetting the kind of music that he made before. I'm very grateful that he stopped plagiarizing, if I'm going to be totally honest. But I love anything that he puts his mind to. I think it's all very him, and I really respect that.
0: Well, Alejandro, how long have you been a G-Dragon fan? I've been a
1: G-Dragon fan. I have been ag dragon i do not remember the exact year. Alexis is the one that knows, because we got into K-pop together. I kind of transitioned from j-pop to k-pop i always listened to it and i was a fan of anime and all that stuff yeah and then one time i was like here look at this and we kind of like just fell in love and i fell in love with big bang fell in love with g dragon and just his sense of fashion has has always inspired me so much every time somebody asks me like who's your fashion icon i'm like g dragon who's your music icon g dragon so for me everything is is
0: him yeah, that's funny. Obviously, I was thinking back about G-Dragon in preparation for this show, and I never even thought about the fashion aspect of it. And of course, that's a big part of his persona.
1: Yeah, especially with this tour, he's doing a whole thing of red. So I was looking at pictures like of the concert, and it's incredible. There's so many layers, so many cool things. And the whole theme that he's going through on this tour it gives me goosebumps. So the fashion has a big part on, on his tour, too. He
2: also had the Peace Minus One pop-up shop in Seoul to coincide with the start of his tour. And I'm very, very hopeful that he brings that along as well. I think that would be really cool to kind of see all across the U.S. and everywhere else he takes his tour. So I am have my fingers crossed for Peace Minus One in New York.
1: <laughs> oh, you just gave me goosebumps because right now I'm like, I don't even know if I'll be able to go to L.A. I don't know if it's L.A. or it's like somewhere around there for the show. But there is so many rumors of him coming to Mexico City, but he hasn't still announced it. Have either of you seen G-Dragon in person? Yes. Yep. I saw him for the first time with Alexis, actually, for the live tour. That was an incredible experience. We had, like, normal tickets that we bought just in case, like, they sold out. We ended up buying the really good ones. I think it was StubHub. So he gave us his ticket, and then he gives me another emblem. And he's like, here, here you go. Take this. I'm like, what this? And he's like, these are VIP tickets. Nobody came for them, so you can have them. And I started screaming, like screaming, wow. and, I, and Alexis was like, "What? Tell me what's going on." I was like, "Um, we just got VIP upgrade tickets for free, and it was incredible." There's some videos of me and Alexis getting crazy, and <laughs> it was it was incredible. And then we saw the we saw him at KCON with Missy Elliott. I saw the May tour two times, so that was incredible, incredible. But yeah, wow.
2: Hi as well saw him uh, alive 2012 in London actually I was Ooh. studying abroad and I was supposed to leave the only day of their alive tour <sighs> and I found out last minute that they added like a day before so I packed all my things I went to the concert I cried okay. pretty much the whole time then I booked it back to my dorm and left the country in this really weird whirlwind of emotion And then I saw him again, actually, at KCON, not his Missy Elliott year, unfortunately, but in 2014, and then made in New York City. And I'm seeing him twice on this tour as well, because I can't get enough.
0: Oh, my God. That's incredible. That's great. Yeah, I saw him in 2013 at KCON LA also. Uh, And I think his album was sort of delayed, and there was some question about whether he would perform any of his songs. And I think that may have been the premiere of Nilaria with Missy Elliott. It was. It was. was. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was really peak G-Dragon. One of a kind. And I throw Michigo in there. Yeah. I guess that ended up on the Coup d'etat album. But I really like the sort of danceable stuff that he does and the humorous, irreverent, kind of crazy fun music. Mm -hmm. Coup d'etat was very serious. And I also like G-Dragon singing. I don't know whether a lot of people give him credit for that or not. He's thought of as a rapper, I think mostly. I think maybe my favorite song, I would have to think about this, but I really love that GD and Top song, Don't Go Home or Don't Leave. Oh yeah.
2: That one is so good. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: But on the coup d'etat album, I think most of my favorite songs on there are songs where he's singing as opposed to rapping.
1: Yeah, I think nobody gives him that much credit about his singing. Like, you know how he really is untitled. And I just saw a lot of news where like, oh, G-Dragon's singing. I'm like, he's always been singing. But people give him more credit for the rapping. I really like it when he sings. I love his voice. He has this very, like, whispery kind of voice that makes you want to, I don't know. It just, if you remember Black with Jenny from Blackpink and a sky as version too
2: definitely it's
1: one of my favorite songs from him but that way of him singing and rapping it's just kind of unique i think
2: it's cool
1: But especially with this new song, Untitled, I feel like he just has a lot of feelings still. I can hear it in his voice. That's the cool thing about D-Dragon.
2: Absolutely. With Untitled, I felt very conflicted because I loved getting this side of him and this tonality to his voice. While he does sing a lot, I feel like this kind of singing that we saw in Untitled isn't usually what we get from him. But I have to admit, I miss that falsetto. Yeah, (laughs) That, like, cafe-style falsetto tone is my favorite from him.
1: Yeah, definitely. And let me know if I'm wrong, but is this song about Kiko still? Like, is he still singing about Kiko? (laughs) Maybe. I feel like it is, because, like, they broke up, like, 2015, right? Or 2014? This is called Untitled 2014, so it's kind of like, hmm... Is it about her?
2: Definitely prime Kiko era.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It could have been called Untitled, but why the 2014s? Right. And then I read the lyrics and I'm like, "Mm, yep, this Mm. is about her. It has to be about her.
2: And even if maybe it's not Kiko specifically in that he's pining for her. I know when GD talks and Big Bang talk about GD and his love life on variety shows, they always mention how hopeless he is and we can't get over anything so definitely like leading signs to kiko or kiko is at least the relationship that we as fans are the most aware of so maybe if he's not hung up he misses a relationship like
1: hers
0: Now, Untitled was the first single released from this album, but my understanding was that wasn't the original plan. Correct. No, the
1: original one was bullshit, right? And I think it was a good move. Some people say that it was about the OP situation. Right. But I think it was a great move. And I also heard or read somewhere that he actually had more scenes and sets planned for the video, and he ended up just recording the video in like an hour. And just didn't want you to do anything else more and just
0: did what he showed us for the video. So I think it was a great move. But what do you guys think? I mean, the choice of the song is the first release, but also the way that video was shot sounds like that may have been influenced by the T.O.P. situation. For people who aren't keeping up with that, does one do of you want to summarize what's been going on with T.O.P.? It's too sensitive for me. So Sam, you do it. <laughs> or I will cry on this show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sure, I can try to do a very uh, spark notes version. So early last week or late two weeks ago, a YG trainee came forward with the news that T.O.P. and her smoked marijuana together back in October. And since top is in the police PR, but more importantly, weed is so criminalized in South Korea, like blacklist from the media, five years in prison. It really impacted the public image of him and what he was doing in the military as well. So YG actually came forward first and said that top was in fact caught smoking. They ran a hair test. They found proof of it. So he was removed from his PR position and tentatively moved from his military service. It's kind of a toss-up of whether he's going to be put in a new area or sent to jail. The trial starts, I think, later this month. But in the course of that last week, he was found having overdosed on prescription tranquilizers and rushed to the ICU. He is fortunately awake and moved to a new hospital and a mental care unit. And I can only hope that he's doing OK. But that's kind of where we've left off with it. There's just so much more, I think, you know, with the political climate of Korea and everything that's kind of happened in the last year that I can't just see it as top smoking weed. And if, you know, we're talking about G-Dragon, he also had a similar scandal. Yes. To this too, that was handled very differently than TOP's is being treated. And there's just so much more to it that it's, it's very heavy <laughs> as a VIP.
1: There's something that he said in the concert that can actually tie into what we're talking about, T.O.P. and mental issues and mental distress. Because he said in the, and this is a quote from him from the concert, he said, Standing in front of USG Dragon for so long made me wonder what my real self would look like. I've suffered from so much physical and mental distress preparing for the latest album But it gave me a chance to look back at myself.
0: Yeah, that's something that comes up a lot in this album. And I think the difference between the private G-Dragon and his persona seems to be even more extreme than most K-pop artists. Because he, from what I can tell of his personality, he seems like a pretty reserved, introverted, nice, polite sort of guy. And he's got this persona of just this ultra pop star, bigger than life character. And so he's probably got a more extreme range there between his real self and his professional persona than most people. Yeah.
2: And I think with that too, you know, when you look at a lot of G-Dragon fans or something that I've noticed is a lot of them really latch on to that G-Dragon specific, the hyper party, the poses, the living a large life. But I really do feel like if you actually watch him, even as he's on stage as G-Dragon, you know, at award shows and during concerts, that more demure nature of his really does shine through the, the fact that he is the 90 degree bowing artist to everybody and the way that he accepts awards and speaks to other people, whether they're seniors or juniors to him. And I'm really happy that he was able to show more of this in his new album, especially because I, I think it really extrapolates on his verse in Loser on Made. Yeah, and I think he was really kind of hinting at this side of him and this dichotomy between being the superstar and just wanting to find somebody who loves him and just wanting to kind of be in more normal relationships. And I'm happy that he has this outlet now where he can kind of do it.
1: Yeah, I think he also plays with that duality on this album, as you said, because even just looking at the track list, you can see like middle fingers up, bullshit, superstar, untitled, Divina Comedia. And it's it gives you that feeling of he still has that party image that he shows us and all that stuff. But he's such an artist that there's songs like Divina Comida that's a little bit more serious and gives you more of that artistic vibe of him. So I, and actually, that's what I love more about him when he's more artistic and he's more serious and he's more like that because anybody can do fun stuff. But when he does this, his artistic things, I, I live for that. I really live for that.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting, too, that the intro track that the English name is Middle Fingers Up. And of course, you know, the bridge is that, too. In Korean, it's ji Yong. Like that is <laughs> ji Yong. Middle fingers up. Like he's just yeah. letting us have it.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it's interesting to me also that it's not middle finger up; it's middle fingers up. So it's kind of an anthem, and he's calling on all of us to put our middle fingers up. I think it's not just him giving us the finger or whoever the finger. It's <laughs> yeah. a call out to all of us.
2: Definitely.
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, his choices of words in his lyrics on this album are, are really funny. I think it's in bullshit, or I don't know if it's middle finger up, but he says rumba, samba, and like Spanish things, like me. Yeah, Mikaza. in bullshit. Yeah, and it's funny to hear him saying stuff like that.
2: And my absolute favorite is that typical G Dragon, you know, he knows that he raps with his accent. He knows that he can manipulate words and in bullshit, you know, Where my dog's at, me casa. And then he had KG Bay, which sounds like G Z B, like, you know, C L, yeah. my my bitches, but in his lyrics it's my house is or the dog's house is my house.
1: Yeah.
2: And that pairing, I'm like, I see you, I see what you're doing. You're calling like the bitches over, but you're saying you're the dog house, but I love it. So many layers.
0: Yeah, I like how this album, it has a lot of the serious subject matter that he's been more interested in lately. But I think there's a lot more of the old G-Dragon humor and clever lyrics, a lot of which I don't get because, you know, a Korean pun is sort of hard to (laughs) communicate to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we've talked a little bit about Fingers Up, and I know we're going to talk more about bullshit, spoiler alert, later on in the show. <laughs> and Untitled, do you guys have any thoughts about the other two tracks, Superstar and the outro, Divina Comedia, or Comedia? Or? Comedia. Divina Comedia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have a very kind of weird relationship, I think, with the outro because it's not my favorite, and yet I wouldn't have this album in any other way. Yeah. Listening to it kind of causes some dissonance within me. It's just like the grating sort of nature of the backtrack and the like choppiness of his words and the kind of like trap elements. Not necessarily my scene. Um, it doesn't resonate with me as well as most of the album. I'm very peculiar when albums come out. I will listen to them start to finish. I won't do shuffle. Like, I want to know, well, that's I mean- want to hear the pieces how it's intended to. And every time we hit outro, I'm just like, this is how it ends. And this is how I think it needs to end. And it's like, not my favorite, but I love it because I think it wraps it up
1: so well. Yeah, I think as the title says, it's a divine comedy. Levina Comedia. I first listened and I was like, mm, okay. But then I like read the translation and was like, okay, this is like a good way to end the album because it talks about like his beginnings and what happened to him and how he became a star. It's not a standout for me on the album, but it's a good ending. It's good.
2: And... I definitely kind of view this album as the last thing we're going to get from G-Dragon. Maybe not forever, but certainly for a very long time. And if this is the end point of his musical career, I will take it.
1: Yeah, it is sad because I actually, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, this seems like a goodbye. I don't know why, but I'm also okay. It, It was a good ending. If this is the end, which I don't want it to be, but yeah.
0: You know, that actually is my favorite song on the album. As much as I like the Crayon, Michigo, G-Dragon, and I really like Bullshit, which is sort of in that vein, this song really struck me. I really love that mysterious antique sound that starts it out and that you find throughout it. And then, like you said, Sam mixed in with those trap elements is kind of an odd combination.
2: Yeah, right.
1: He's been saying a lot his age, and he says it in this song. And it's just, he knows he's growing up. He knows he has to enlist. He made a joke in the tour, like, are you guys going to still love me when I come back? I'm going to be 32 from the Army. So it was kind of like, he's, he's saying goodbye, like Sam is saying.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting, too, to kind of consider the features that he's done, especially in this last year on Side's album, on IU's album, and on Zion T as well. Because there's so many lyrical elements that I think you can pull, you know, in Zion's, he's complex, like 99 complexes, but you can't be me. And it's that, you know, standard G-Dragon sort of fair. But then you have Palette, which is a much softer G-Dragon, where, as you said, Alejandro, like he really indicates his age and how much he's learned and how much he hasn't learned as he's grown up. and kind of abandoning his 20s and, like, his formative years to being an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Psy is, like, middle fingers up in that, like, backed impact, like, you guys don't even know sort of thing. I think they all kind of play together into, like, one complete piece.
0: You know, I think it's possible, of course, always, that this is the end. But with G-Dragon, first of all, it seems like there's no way he's not going to be writing and producing for many years to come. And it's hard to see him not featuring People are going to be asking him to do that. And he seems like that he's open to that sort of thing. And then there will be a market for G-Dragon. I mean, if he wants to release something, people are going to want it. People are going to buy it. So that avenue is going to be open to him when he's 32, 35. So, I mean, if you think of him being gone for two years in the Army, I think he's going to want to get back in the studio. I hope so. Yeah
2: i can just shamelessly promote this album i really think it's a good piece of music like beyond k-pop beyond being a g-dragon fan i think from start to finish it's just a very nice cohesive album yeah and i definitely recommend you know regardless of if you're a big bang fan or a gd fan or a k-pop fan checking it out because i think it's very personal and very relatable even in kind of the weirdest senses you know with its abrasiveness and its middle fingers up like you may not think that you would find solace in something that is self-titled and so G-Dragon, but I think you definitely can, and I think it's always worth a listen.
1: I think, yeah, it, like, for me, at my work, they give me this time on Fridays. We call it K-Pop Friday. Ooh. And I actually played Kwon Ji-Jung, and... There's this coworker that I love, and she's on almost her forties, and she doesn't speak any English. She only speaks Spanish, and of course, she doesn't speak Korean. And we were listening to the album, and every time I like look at her, she was banging to it. And when she heard "Untitled," she was like, "This song is very emotional. Like it made me feel something," and, and that's incredible. Like someone that doesn't even speak the language and doesn't even like K-pop, she felt something. So I think he's on a right track.
0: Well, let's move on to our unmuted K-pop picks. And we may not go too far afield. Sam, your pick for this episode is?
1: Sure,
2: mine is bullshit. What? Kesari by G-Dragon. What a surprise. (laughs) I just have really been digging the song. I love grooving to it. I love walking down the street to it. I I love listening to it because every time I feel like I catch something new. And it's just really kept me enthralled and kept me motivated for how long has it been out? Not even a week. So I'm about it. I've probably listened to it at least 80 times.
0: This is the second album in a row in which G-Dragon has used the ba Wow wa yippeo yippie lyric. Mm-hmm. It was in Coup d'etat, which is the title track of the last album, or I don't know if you count that as a double album or a two half <laughs> parts of an album.
2: I think G Dragon is very good for building up on himself and his previous stuff, because not only did he carry the bow wow wow, yippee yo oh, yippee yay, but he also alludes to Cran as well very explicitly in this album. Right. I think it's all part of, you know, how he talked about his acknowledgement of who he was and who he is and how he's growing. To include that really recognizes where he is in his music and what he has always been in his music and I think it links it all together to really just show a timeline of G-Dragon.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good example of what a lot of artists do. Like, I don't know, Britney one time did, it's Britney, bitch, and now she does it all the time. And Gaga when she started, it was like, oh, red one, like Gaga, she would say it in all her songs. It's (laughs) kind of like, this artist always do something of their lyrics. I think it's like a gift for fans, because we know their discography, like we hear a lyric that was on another album and it's kind of like, oh, okay, I see what you did there. He mm-hmm. just brings us back to those cool memories and it's just the way of artists for them to just bring us back to that stuff. For now, for G dragon is part of his brand.
2: Plus, G-Dragon has always been really good for kind of teasing fans and alluding to things. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but he had that bridge in Sober that he did during his MAMA performance in, I think, 2013 or 2014. Mm -hmm. GD's always been playing us with these lyric games. and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Untitled 2014 was started in 2014 or if he's been sitting on these lyrics for a very long time.
0: That's true. You know, Bow Wow Wow, Yippee o Yippee A is a lyric that goes back to George Clinton, who's known as the godfather of funk. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Atomic Dog song. When Coup d'etat came out, a lot of people said, oh, G Dragon's stealing lyrics from Snoop Dogg because Snoop Dogg has used that yeah. also. Mm-hmm. But I went back and looked at Wikipedia and they've got a list of it, just goes on for page and page of people who have sampled, let alone referenced Atomic Dog. I'm pretty sure he
1: must be aware of all those. Yeah, he's a well-referenced guy. He always has really good references. And I don't know, I'm just really sad about something that has never happened. I'm a big fan of, you know, I don't know if you guys know her, but Grimes, he's a mm-hmm. Canadian yeah. singer-songwriter. And the first time I met her, I was wearing my Big Bang pin. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so excited about you. I love Big Bang. And I was like, oh my God. So we kind of like bonded with that. And then I saw her like two months after and she recognized me because I was wearing my a Big Bang shirt. I was like, you're the K pop guy, right? And I was like, Yeah. And she was like, Oh my God, I just came back from Korea. I worked with G Dragon on some songs, and I'm so excited for those to come out. And she said that she didn't know if they were going to be in his album or her album, but they did together. So, like, they recorded something together. So, I'm like, I wish I could hear that and see what those two can do, you know? I think it would be an incredible thing. But he always has, as I said, good references and he hangs out with really good music people. And I think he's aware. I think he's aware of, of those
0: references. Yeah, he's done a lot of interesting collaborations. And obviously, that seems like something he enjoys doing. So definitely yeah.
2: between Pixie Lod and you know, Diplo Skrillex, like, he really runs the gamut.
1: So for me, it's going to be Nerve by Produce 101. I think it was Nation Sons, who the name of like their mini group. I just think it's a very fresh song, and I just love those kind of beats. Everything that gets stuck in my mind about that song is Ong a part when he's like, every time, every day, and I just see his face and just doing the movement, the choreography, and I'm like, oh, it gives me so much emotions, and I just think it's a very good song. I play it every day. It's on my shower playlist, on my walking to work playlist, and it's it's incredible. I'm so happy they, they did a really, really good song, Triple H, so kudos to them.
2: you know i've been avoiding produce 101 right now because i want to wait till it's over before i get invested but no no, since you mentioned this song i checked it out earlier today and i'm obsessed with it as well
1: it's so good, huh? It's so good. It's so
2: good. I just, I can't handle the heartbreak, so I need the group to be put together so I know that I'm going to be sad or not as I watch it.
1: Yeah, that's why I try to not to watch survival shows. Like, with Seventeen, it broke my heart, and then Monster X broke my heart, too, so it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to see anymore. but then I get, I go and see them again, so it's, it's, ugh.
2: Your song has me hooked, so I'm definitely going to go back and watch it, all of it.
1: Yeah. Every time, every day. Yeah, I guys just remember that part. So good.
0: (laughs) Well, my pick this episode is not a recent song, but I mentioned last episode that Sistar, of course, is disbanding, and I think they've stopped promotions on their final single. And really, we should have done a Sistar episode, but we just haven't been able to fit it into the schedule. So for my pick this episode, I'm picking... What I think is the best Sistar song, and I'm sorry if it's a little boring because I think a lot of people think that this is Sistar's best song, but if it's their best song, it's their best song. There's nothing I can do about it. (laughs) And that is their 2012 Brave Brothers single, Alone. It's the second of their nine straight Number one hit that started with So Cool and ended with Lonely, which was their goodbye track. Which, by the way, I think was better than most goodbye tracks that we've gotten from groups that are disbanding.
1: Um, um, don't, 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 don, 21. No, what, what, don't touch that subject. <laughs> don't
0: touch yeah. it. On. Okay. <laughs> All right.
2: I'm a sister on this one.
0: Uh. But Alone, first of all, Brave Brothers was responsible for so many of their hits, especially their early hits, but this song especially is just so iconic. You know, it starts out with this real up-tempo piano, almost kind of beat and that really distinctive synth and breathy, fragile, urine vocals mixed in with this funky dance beat. And there's even a part of it, I think it's in the chorus, there's this double-time vocals that sound a lot like the chorus in Park ji coming of age ceremony it's sort of more along the lines of a Sistar 19 song than some of the more recent Sistar singles you know touch my body shake it that sort of thing I think Sistar was really at its best back in the good old days when they were working closely with brave brothers Sistars alone if I had to pick one that's the one
2: a good choice I know good choice
1: So thank you, Sam, for being on the show. And can you please tell us where our listeners can keep up with you?
2: Absolutely. And you know, thank you for having me. You can find me playing around at facebook.com slash groups slash East Coast K pop outlet. And we're East Coast, but we take members from everywhere. So please definitely join. Follow us on Twitter at ECKO underscore HQ. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys and meeting more people. Thank you again.
1: Thank you. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Kpop Unmuted and you can check out Cult Scene at cultscene.com. And please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher. And if you like the show, please leave a rating or review and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you everyone so much. It was incredible.